Support for this ghost-busting life comes from Blue Apron. Blue Apron. Are you too lazy to go grocery shopping? Do you need recipes and don't have a cookbook? Do you want to put an entire cardboard box inside a dumpster every time you eat a meal? Look no further than Blue Apron. Blue Apron. It's a subscription grocery shopping service for those who don't want to leave the house. This ghost-busting life, I'm still not Ira Glass. Every week on the show, we take a look into the life of a personality in the Ghostbusters community and learn the secret to their success. This week on the program, actor Robin Shelby, a longtime friend of the Ghostbusters fan community and frequent convention guest, sits down with our Troy Benjamin to talk about her life, her career, and that time she had a terrible stomach flu on one of her first big acting jobs. Act 1, Just a Small Town Girl. Sometimes life has a way of taking you on an unexpected path. In this instance, a casting call for someone of relatively small stature and a strong physical presence was the catalyst for a life-changing experience. Here's Troy with the story. Hollywood, California. It's busy, it's crowded, it's a consistent bombardment of sensory overload. It's a C&B scene culture where public persona and perception are everything, which is why it's incredibly refreshing to be meeting Robin Shelby at a really small sushi restaurant just outside of Hollywood. We have the restaurant to ourselves. It's just a small booth with her husband, Sean, Robin, and I to meet and chat over lunch. When we put in our order for enough sushi to feed a small army, our conversation begins where any good life story should, at childhood. So try to get all of that in there. Sure. But so where, where did you, were you in San Francisco? Where did you grow up as a kid? Um, Illinois. Illinois. Actually, okay. by the Wisconsin border. Okay. Um, it's a little, in McHenry County, there's a little town called Hebron. Yeah. It's like a town of 800 people, like graduating class of like 16. No joke. Um, yeah. So, and then when I was 12, my parents brought us out to Northern California. Okay. And um, I was there until about 19 where I moved to L.A. Wow. That's, all right, so you go from you go from there to Northern California, where somehow, some way, you get in with ILM. Like that's yes. to me, that's the, the the intersection of where I'm a kid at ILM. How did that happen? My that's life, like, my life changed yeah. actually. Um, How did what happened? How did that happen? Well, I said I moved to LA when I was 19, and I had an agent say, "You want to go back? You don't have a SAG card, which is the Actors uh, Union. I want you to go back to San Francisco and uh, get your card." Get, it's going to be easier for you to do that and then come back. Yeah. So that's what I did. So at 19, moved back to Sunnyvale, California. Okay. Um, and uh, and got an agent. And they called me. ILM called my agency. Oh. We need some. Do you have anybody, you know, with uh, that's good with their with physical physicality and, and is tiny? We need like five foot or under. And you yeah. Know, who do you have? And they called me saying, we have an audition for you. And it was wow. for the movie Willow. Um, so I was basically okay. pretty much a kid at ILM, like a kid in a candy yeah. shop as an actor. It was just incredible. I had a lot of theater background at that yeah. point, but not a lot of film background. So to be in a, in a situation like that with such talented people, it was I was in awe, literally. What, so had you done, you did theater, but had you done physical, other physical stuff? Were you, like, in, in, in high school, were you, like, the high school mascot, or were you, like, what What? What ended up lending itself to being this type of, like, ILM actor uh, they were looking for? I, I was actually a dancer. Um, I actually was musical theater trained, and so I had done a lot of movement and a lot of 
and that's where I think the physicality helped because I, I had grown up doing so much on stage and movement. Yeah. Um, the funny part is, after um, when I got Willow, um, that was my first in a full costume. Thank you. It was our first, my first in costume job was Willow. And then I, I ended up getting a job at Great America um, in their character show, but I was a singer in their character show, so I wasn't even in the wasn't even in costume. Got so it. basically, I hadn't done costume character work really at all until, until that moment. Until Willow, and I just kind of I had been around costume characters before, so I kind of knew what was involved, and uh, the movement helped. The dancing helped a lot with my body and knowing what to do. Yeah. With costume characters. Okay, so you get called in for an audition for Willow. Yes. You, did you, you didn't know it was Willow at the time, I would assume, right? Did they mm, say They don't it's... really give you a lot of information, yeah. no. I'm sure they're not going to say it's a Lucasfilm project, they're Ron Howard's directing. Like, exactly. Even back then, they wouldn't tell you. <laughs> it was pretty hush-hush. I knew it was ILM. Yeah. Pretty much that's, all, that's what I knew. And then, of course, when you get the job, you find out more information before doing. you go to the set. Okay. So when did you find out what you were doing on Willow? And what did they tell you? Like, congratulations, you got the role... Here's what you are. Yeah, my agent. Okay, we're gonna going going back to ILM. Yeah. Um, it's a film. You know, it's Willow, which of course at that point, I, Willow was its own. I didn't know anything about Willow right. at all. Yeah. And they told me what I needed to know about what I was shooting. You know, you're gonna be a troll. You're gonna be on a bridge. You're gonna be suspended at ILM from wires, and okay. you're gonna be um, with a, a team that's gonna make you fall into a mat, and and you're gonna be a special effects basically for Willow. So I worked for two days on, on that. So, yeah, you don't really know a lot until you actually, at that point, until you get the gig. Until you're in the harness, hanging from the wires, and they say, oh, by the way, here's what you're doing. Exactly. Uh, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm already in the harness. <laughs> um, okay, so, all right, so that's your 19 at that point, right? No, for Willow, I was 20. Okay, 20. I was 20. And a year later was when they were looking for somebody to work on Ghostbusters 2 or Slimer. Did you, so were you just in constant contact with the ILM folks, or was that something that they came back a year later? And it said, came back hey, a year Robin later. Was... And one of the, the supervisors there, his name is Ned Gorman, um, who actually was the person who brought me in and cast me for Willow. Oh, wow. Um, they had lost the, the person um, who was supposed to be in the costume for Slimer because of his schedule. Mm. He couldn't do it. And um, Slimer's actually apparently written out of the script and then written back in. Right. So they excused the guy who was going to be doing Slimer because the character's There's, written out. Yeah. They put him back in. He wasn't available. So that's what happened. Uh. And then they're like, okay, we need somebody. We, we've got to recast this. And that's why I got called in. And Ned Gorman said, I have the person I think you might be looking for. Let's call her agent. Let's get her in. And I basically auditioned and got it that day. Oh, my God. That's very crazy. lucky. Yeah. Very lucky. That's such a, I mean, it's, again, very fortuitous that you happen to be in the, at, in the right place at the right time for Willow, then you happen to be in the right place at the right time for Ghostbusters. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we're skipping, we're skipping ahead on a whole bunch of fronts here. Okay, so you come down to California to get your SAG card. Yes. What did you have to do in order to get to your SAG card? Did you have to do commercial work? Where where did that take you? Um, actually, after I did Ghostbusters 2, I worked with Tim Lawrence, who is 
basically directing the onset film at Island. And he was working on a McDonald's commercial. Oh, how funny. And, and he, uh, he said, you know, Robin, I think you might be able to help me out with this. And they were doing a, a game called Fry's Surprise. Okay. And they needed the hand of Fry's Surprise. Um, and he goes, I think you're the right, I think, I think you'd be great. Yeah. And it was a SAG job, so I got Taft-Hart lead on a McDonald's commercial. And it was all handwork. And it was ba- it was, it was just from like my hand shul- modeling from my shoulder. <laughs> it was this big glove for, that was supposed to be one of the fries. Yeah. And peeling back a sticker to reveal that they won. And they needed yeah. a petite hand to to fit into the glove too. And so they molded my hand, got the glove made, and I'm in LA getting my SAG card on a on a McDonald's commercial. So so somebody's looking at your resume and they say, I see you played a French fry in a McDonald's <laughs> commercial. Tell, tell me more about that. <laughs> on your resume, I, you know, I don't really list like the commercial specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I tell the story, they think it's pretty pretty cool though. Well, it's a it's a national spot too. It is. Oh yeah. So it's big. It, it ran. Uh, thank you. It, you're, it, you're hearing sushi arrive for people that are. We're at lunch and we've got sushi that keeps being set down in front of us while Robin talks to us. So that's why for, you keep hearing clunks. For anyone who knows me, you would realize we're at sushi on my request. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I don't want to. We're gonna put this in the middle so there you we go. can eat and talk. There you go. Um, okay, so you do the national spot. That's how you get your SAG card. Yes. Do you immediately then move back up to Northern California? Do you stay down here for a while? What what, what ends up happening there? No, when I got, when I got my SAG card, I, I basically said, okay, I'm going to go back because now the agent said I'd be ready and then I went back to that agent and said, got my card. Yeah. They're like, let's, let's do this. Let's work. And then, okay, so you've done theater and dancing and you've, now you've done this puppetry. Yes. Was this an unexpected turn? Were you were you interested in puppetry and doing like the sort of foam latex rubber acting and that kind of stuff? <laughs> or were you like, wow, this is an interesting turn. How did this happen? It was all just by chance. It wasn't something I never in my life, I got lucky, but I never set out to say, I want to be a costume character performer in Ireland. Yeah. But wow, did I get lucky and kind of fell into the wonderful stuff that I've fallen into. Never been a goal, but wow, I'm, I'm happy it happened now. like that's so many people's Hollywood stories where it's like, well, I didn't think I was going to be an editor, but then I just started editing and all of a sudden I'm an editor. Like, it's weird how that always ends up happening. Um, okay, so let's see, we've got, okay, McDonald's, that's fun, then you go up to ILM, then you work on Willow. Yes. Uh, the experience on Willow, because you're in a costume, you've got wires, you're on harnesses, you're hanging for... 12 hours on a full day or whatever. Right. Again, is this some... Are you are you having fun? Or at a certain point... I mean, it's only two days worth of work, right? So that's right. good. But at the same time, you're like, what have I gotten myself into? Great Great America sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe I'll stick to that. <laughs> I had a blast. And I think we might have talked about this before, but then on my first day of work um, for Willow... Keeping in mind, they didn't know me yet. Like, I was still my first day on the job yeah. working for them as an actor. And I wake up with, like, a 102-degree fever throwing up. Oh, no. And I basically had a really bad flu. And, and my father called in sick to work. 
packed me in the car and drove me from Sunnyvale to to ILM, which is about an hour and a half. Right. And and without him, I never would have been able to go that particular day. Oh my God. And then, so finally, my stomach calmed down, but I'm hanging from a wire with a fever. With not, a stomach bug. With, with mm-hmm. the stomach being kind of iffy yeah. at that point. Um, but I got through it. I got through it, and I still had fun. It's just part of who I am. I mean, like, just being on set and being creative and being an actor, whether it's in a costume or not, I, I had fun anyway, even being sick. Because that, that takes a very specific type of personality, somebody who's very patient and can just sort of roll with the punches because if you're in prosthetics, you're in a rig that you're hanging from... <laughs> The, the grid in a soundstage and you can't get down if you, say, have a stomach bug and you need to use the restroom or anything. Right. Um, and there's the people that they don't like it, they complain, they get just so... Uh, grumpy is not quite <laughs> the right word. But a lot of people don't enjoy that process. Right. But then there are some people that they love it. You look at, like, an Armin Shimmerman who's done all of this costume work and he's got the prosthetic makeup on and you go between... Star Trek and the movies that you did before that and the movies you did after work, you're doing all of this character work with prosthetics on. Right. You are the most patient saint person that I've ever met. And here you are, you're the same way. You're <laughs> you've got the flu. <laughs> and it's your first, you know, first kind of introduction to this too. So I'm sure it's also exciting, but at the same time you're like, oh God, what am I doing? I don't you're trying to find your way through I it. I just wanted to get through it. Yeah. And yeah. and um it, it was it, it mixed emotions because I'm on a set that I want to be on. I'm doing what I love, but yet I'm fighting just to get through the day. Yeah. But I, like I said, I, I still had a good time doing it. Um, and then the second day I was feeling better. And I must Thank have goodness. done okay. I yeah. must have done okay because a year later they remembered me for another job. So I, we, I got through yeah. it. I got people want to work with people that are pleasant and good-natured and, and don't complain. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so what do you do for that year in between Willow and Ghostbusters then? What's, what's occupying doing, your time? I was working at a, the- a theater group called Theater Works in okay. Palo Alto. Um, doing stage stuff? And, and at that point, I was actually playing a little boy. I was playing Oliver in the oh, musical really? Oliver, believe it or not. Yes. And getting paid. That was like my first theater gig that I... Hmm. So a lot happened in that... A lot happened in that time. Um... Which do you prefer then, the stage work or I any, love it any all. and all? I love it all. It, I mean, like like I said, just uh, being an actor and what I do, whether it be in a costume or on stage. And we're getting more sushi for those of you who are wondering. <laughs> that looks so good, by the way. Yum sushi. Yeah. Um, so now I just totally lost my my train of thought. Uh, so you were you're playing Oliver? Yes. So I, I I was doing theater basically between all of that. I went back and did some musical theater and. And then after that, I got my sad card after Ghostbusters and hightailed it to L.A. So, all right. So you get you get Ghostbusters. Yes. Tim, was it Tim who called you or who calls you and says, hey, we got another job for you. Are you available? Um, I got a call from my agent saying you have an audition. Okay. Um, it's at ILM again. You know, the same place that you did, Willow. They want to see you again. Didn't, didn't know the project. Um, they wouldn't say what it was for. Okay, again. I, you know, I get it. You know, especially with Ghostbusters. You know, it was a well-known, um, iconic character, and they're not gonna they're not gonna go ahead and give you all that information yet. But when I got there, I basically kind of 
they, I kind of knew what I was auditioning for at that point. Yeah. Which, of course, your brain starts going crazy and you're overwhelmed and excited and nervous. Yeah, because I'm sure you had seen the original film leading up to it and knew who the character was. And Of course, I was a fan like all the fans out there are. Yeah. I, I love the movie. And to find that out, you're like, wow, okay. Well, and especially, so at that point, because, so the cartoon came out in 86, I want to say. Somebody will immediately correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but so the cartoon comes out in 86, and, and Slimer is plastered on everything. Slimer is at the, the forefront of all of the merchandising and the marketing, and and becomes this own character that to the point where the, the cartoon becomes Slimer and the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters. Right. So they tell you you're here to be that character, and you go, what? What was your reaction? <laughs> um, ex- excitement and nerves all, yeah. all together. It's like, I can't believe this. This is awesome. Oh, my God. What, what am I getting? Can I do this? And the, the best thing, I, I told myself, you know, just listen to what they want you to do. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Don't think of it as the iconic character just think of it as you have a job to do yeah. listen to what they want and, and do the best you can do and and I and I did I just took a deep breath and said okay what do you need and, yeah. and let's do it and had no idea that it would be so life changing that you're going to conventions right sitting eating sushi talking to a nerd on a podcast uh, I'm sure a wonderful <laughs> sweet incredible nerd by the way Oh, thank you uh but I'm sure that doesn't even cross your mind. You're no. probably not even thinking, like, this is going to alter who I am from this point forward, really. Not even remotely thinking of that, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't think beyond the job that I was doing at the time. Yeah. And I didn't even think it would turn into something you know, snowballed like it did. Yeah, I'm sure you're excited. It's work. You're just, I'm an actor, and I'm getting work, and I'm auditioning, and I get exactly. art. I was, yeah. you know, like, like just basically still really a kid in a lot of aspects yeah. and just excited just and, and grateful to, to be there yeah because you're 21 at this point yes. still yes yeah. I was just old enough there's there's a video of Bill Murray coming on the set yeah and I have a beer in my hand but the funny part <laughs> I look like I'm like 12 I mean I really look like I'm a 12 year old drinking beer this isn't legal <laughs> it's like what's going on but I was I, I was old enough believe it or not to have a beer just yeah. barely but I was so, okay, so what was the extent, then, of the work that you had to do? Because Willow was two days, but I'm sure it Ghostbusters was. was a lot more, right? It was like six weeks. Six it was, weeks? It was wow. like four weeks of rehearsal okay. um, and fittings and making sure everything's fitting, and a couple of weeks of straight, straight shooting. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, because they're still probably working on the molds and all of this stuff. Like, they're trying to figure out what the design of the creature looks like. So you're probably coming in and doing camera tests and that kind of stuff first, Oh, definitely. Right? We're doing yeah. a lot of fittings, making sure that... Because initially, they started to design it for another actor. Right. So they had to, right. especially inside of the head, had to be molded for my face exactly. Yeah. So they had to go kind of to, back to the drawing board and, and fit it for me. But yeah, the gloves. We had to do fittings for every piece of the costume yeah. to make sure that it fit. So, okay, so that's a full six weeks worth of work. Yeah. What? I mean... Again, are you hanging from wires? Are you on like a gimbal rig and you're being flipped upside down? And what what are they doing to you during the six six weeks of work? <laughs> they, I was in front of a blue screen, and so I wasn't rigged because um, they could put me anywhere. Right. Okay. They could literally like make me fly without actually. And they're moving the cam. That's like a motion control rig around you with the camera that they're moving around you. The or? camera generally was pretty was stable. Okay. There, yeah. um, 
and the only time that they they put me on almost like a lazy Susan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, because the Slimer was supposed to be eating a piece of chicken. I think this was the scene that got cut. Yeah. Eating a piece of chicken at the top of the firehouse, and then is 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 seen by Lewis and flies away. Yeah. And he spins and flies away. So they put me on this lazy Susan. That's the spin. And then that's a spin, exactly. But there were no wires. Uh, yeah. There was no actual flying. That The lazy Susan was the extent of being put on something to manipulate right. the movement. Right. Yeah, there was a lot. Okay, so because you had mentioned Slimer was written into the script, mm-hmm. uh, and then they, for whatever reason, decided, no, Slimer's not in this movie. Nick's 86 Slimer, there's not going to be any Slimer in this movie. Right. And then all of a sudden, Slimer's back in the movie, and then there's all of this stuff that they've written that's not in the actual, the final version of the film. Right. So six weeks worth of work, that's a lot of film that you guys are shooting. I mean, what what were some of the, you, t- you mentioned the chicken, uh, right. there's the, the bus, obviously, what's in the film. Uh, what else did you shoot that was supposed to feature Slimer? The, the biggest thing that was cut that um, kind of, I was so bummed, and I think a lot of the team was bummed, um, you mentioned the bus scene, right. and Slimer drives him to his location. But what you don't see is Slimer getting off the bus with him, wanting to go with him. Uh, and uh, and and Lewis is like, really cool. oh, yeah, doing good. Thank you. thank you so much. Our wonderful waitress, special guest, with, yeah, with our exactly. sushi. It's so good, by the way. Um, so he gets off the bus with Lewis. Um, wants to go and Lewis is like no you know you really can't go this time but let's go bowling sometime and then <laughs> and then Slimer licks him you know across the face spit, and flies away um, so it kind of explains why he was driving him yeah you kind of miss a little bit of a connection between Lewis and, right. and Slimer but basically he's kind of a kind of trying to be a good guy trying to help out going with him there's like this whole arc that ended up on the cutting room floor that Lewis is hunting Slimer and scared, grossed out, whatever reason, he's hunting Slimer. And then there's this resolution at the end where they're friends and they're going to go bowling. <laughs> That's and, and, you know, it, it was bum- I was bummed because it really, the, the what we did with the costume and what the puppeteers did with the face and everything, just so yeah. amazing. I remember everybody on the set that day um, applauded each other. The puppeteers applauded me. I applauded. The, it, everybody did such a great job. It just worked together. out really, really well. And I was that was like the one thing that I was like broken hearted that was pulled out of me. Oh, but and I'm always hoping one day somebody digs it out of the archive, puts it together. Yeah. Now there is there is a, a footage of of Lewis minus the special effects getting off the bus. And, and you see that end of it, but you don't see what the Slimer put into uh, the scene with Lewis. But I would I would love to see that. Well, and how much of that was shot on set during principal photography and then right. later at, at ILM? Because you're probably shooting the reverses and they've already filmed with Rick They Marinus, shot everything or? with Rick. As a matter yeah. of fact, I, they, in my hotel room, they gave me the tape of what Rick did to listen to uh, over and over. Because I wouldn't be able to watch it, I had right. to, in my ear, I had to know his timing so I can know when to lick him when to yeah. respond when to and so I like I, I probably watched that like for five hours straight in my hotel room so I knew and I'm sure you can't hear when you're in the costume right so even if somebody's feeding you lines you're not hearing oh they cranked it they actually had a monitor not and you're right it's like there were motors running it's yeah. almost like being I explain it like a loud airplane being in a very loud yeah. airplane it's hard to hear 
and people were screaming to try. You know, that, that's yeah. the only way that, that I was going to hear. But they, they did have a monitor. They cranked the dialogue so I could hear what Lewis was was yeah. doing. And um, that's that's how we did it. So he shot all of this stuff, and then I added mine onto his later at ILM. And so did they bring a, a bus onto a soundstage? And what, no, no bus. I wore a okay. bus hat, and there was a wheel. That, that I, and that I, was I it? That was all that was, was practical? It. That was it. Wow. That was all I had. Yeah. Huh. That's, I, again, like, you think back, this was just on the cusp of digital... Uh, compositing and uh, even even before CG, when we're, we're going to fully computer generate somebody like Slimer, but the fact that they just had you on a blue screen with the the steering wheel, and then they probably shot a clean plate of the bus that so Rick Moranis is acting to nothing, and then you in turn are acting to a speaker setup that's right. just blaring this dialogue right. at you. Right. I mean, again, it's that's the, the magic of movies to me that I love seeing, that you guys put it all together and it feels like it was all, it's all cohesive. It was all like you guys were on the set together. Yeah. And unfortunately, something like that ends up on the cutting room floor, so we also can't see it now, which is so unfortunate. One day, like I said, I'm hoping that they go into the old archives and say, this could be fun to put this together. Because yeah. I, th- I, think, I think the fans would, would go crazy for it, because I, I think it's really cool. It's a good addition. So what, what else happened on this? You mentioned Bill Murray stopping by the set. Uh-huh. Um, you know, are, are the actors stopping by ILM to see what's happening in post-production? And are they are they messing with you? I mean, you're a 21-year-old kid dressed up like a ghost. And you know, what, are they tormenting uh, Bill you? Bill Murray messed with me a little bit on the day that, that he was there. Oh, um, no. He, but he's, he's a random goofball, but everybody kind of knows that already about him. Uh, but I think he was he and Ivan were the only two people that actually came by the set on ILM and and they hung out before we actually started shooting anything because Ivan went through all the footage they had already shot and explained like frame by frame what he wanted and then Bill was there just kind of hanging out and adding some uh, some ideas as well yeah um, so those are those are the really only two that I met at the time I've met other cast members uh, oh, since sure, then since then sure but yeah. the, but while I was shooting because everybody's like oh what was it like to work with the guys and I, I wish that were the case <laughs> yeah. but everything was pretty much done alone in front of a blue screen I mean that's the the bummer about uh, visual effects is that it's usually second unit or it's its own unit and exactly so you're not working with Ivan Reitman uh, you're being directed by whoever the VFX supervisor is or exactly. whoever the second unit director is or... and that's why Ivan came by before we were shooting to kind of tell everybody that was going to be on set what he was looking for yeah um, especially the, the the supervisor who was basically the director for these special effects he really had to be on the same wavelength with what Ivan was was looking for so at the end of the six weeks this is now your second gig at ILM uh, in a costume doing all this fun stuff for for visual effects yes what what are you thinking are you like alright this is is my career now this is what I'm going to do or are you like yeah this is fun I'm going to go back and play all I'm going to go do other stuff (laughs) It, I, it just kind of reaffirmed that I want to be an actor. I mean, it just like mm-hmm. I, I enjoy I enjoy the people that I'm working with. I enjoy being on set. I enjoy being creative. Um, it just reaffirmed I'm in the. This is this is what I want yeah. for my life. I, I I had a blast. I mean, I had such a good time. And uh, in, in, in costume or out, like like you kind of mentioned earlier, like what do you like better? And like I said, I really kind of. It's yeah. to me, it's all amazing and fun. 
And as long as it's fun, that's the that's the way to do it. It's never a job if you're having fun. And I love it. I I, I just creating something like a character like Slimer. How many people get to do that? You know. Yeah. Um, And it was an it was an it was an honor. But on camera, I've been able to to do some fun things too. And you know, they're all special to me. It's It's all it's all fun and amazing. Who's the first person that you brag to when you can finally talk about being Slimer? Do you call home? Do you have a niece or a nephew or a a significant uh, family member where you're like, guess what? I'm Slimer. My dad was the my dad was the very first person that I that I was able to tell, Um, and I kind of kept it quiet for a little while. And I'm I'm gonna be honest, for years, for years, not many fans knew that there was a person inside the costume. It wasn't until about eight years later, after yeah. I shot it, that somebody kind of got wind of, oh, wait a minute, this, there is a, there was a girl inside the costume. And then yeah. and then kind of came out like, oh, okay, here's the actress who actually worked on it. So they assume that it's just all puppeteered. It's yeah. like a Muppet that has four or five people with radio RC controls that they're... Exactly. A lot of people thought it was all in the computer. Of course, at that point, like you said, yeah. they were on the brink of CGI, but they, they, they wouldn't have done it yeah. full CGI at that point. But a lot of people thought, oh, I thought it was just all done on, on computer. I didn't know there was a human being involved. Yeah. So I was pretty much very incognito for quite a while after. Well, and I'm sure, you know, again, it's uh, you don't realize pop culture significance you don't realize fan base probably at the time you're not thinking like you know a lot of people go to their their everyday job and they work and they don't think that oh my god there's a fan club for this (laughs) i did not realize the fandom that was out there the extent of it until much later yeah and it's grown it just it keeps growing as far as i'm concerned the fandom is stronger now than it ever than it ever was I think, yeah, I mean, obviously the internet helps. How did you first become uh, aware of the fan base, that you started interacting with the fan base? What what was your introduction to be like, hey, by the way, I was Slimer in the second movie. (laughs) I was, someone caught wind of it, um, and uh, what was her name? The person who did my website. Doreen Moment. Doreen Moment. Oh, yeah, Doreen. Doreen yeah. Moment was the first person to interview me. Um, yeah. And s- such a sweet lady. And she's like, Can I, do you mind if I interview you? And that was the first time that I'd ever spoken out with a fan to fans yeah. about it. And that's kind of how it all kind of snowballed. And that's when I realized, wow, there are, there are a lot of people out there that, yeah, that are into this. People are interested in it. Absolutely. Yeah, Doreen was so sweet. I yes. Mean, I, yeah. Such a fan. I mean... Huge fan. And actually lived here, didn't she? Yes. She was, yeah, yes. Not far from here. Lived in L.A. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Doreen. Um, yeah, so... That, okay, so Doreen uh, interviews you. This is probably... So her website was like mid-late 90s? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so that was a big jump in time there. We just went from 89 to mid-late 90s. Tell me about that time in between. Do do you meet this guy? What what happens in between between that time? Well, I actually started... I was working at Universal Studios, actually, in the the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Here in Hollywood or in Florida? Hollywood. Okay, so you're still here now. Okay. Which is when I met this guy right here. Sean is sitting next to us, very patiently hanging out. Taking photos. (laughs) Um, So we we actually met, I I was working as Rocket J. Squirrel in in a show. Uh, So so I did do more costume work after the fact, 
Um, so that that was I was in costume for that show. When, as well. So when did that happen? Because I, I remember, yeah, I remember that show, and I remember there was the whole Rocky and Bullwinkle land at Universal Studios, which right. is no more as well. Um, when did that start? Was that immediately after Ghostbusters, or it was? No, a that bit was of time? like ninety. 92? What, Universal? Yeah, 92. Uh, 92. It was like yeah. 19, 1992 I started okay. doing it. And I was there for like almost three years. Oh, wow. At, at Universal, yeah. Doing um, costume character work? I did a little bit out in the park, but mostly oh, no. I was doing the show. Um, I, an interesting story. Can we put some water at all? Yes, please. Thank you. Our wonderful waitress again. Yeah. Robin, really good sushi, really good service. I'm, I'm making poor Robin talk the entirety of this time, and she hasn't uh, been able to eat sushi, so you're going to hear her, like, I, I'm all chewing. good. <laughs> um, <laughs> what happened, uh, an interesting story that happened out at Universal Studios is um, I was doing Rocket J Squirrel, and after the show, it's really safe because you're on stage. It's like, it's not yeah. like, you're, but after the show, there's like a little meet and greet. And there was a person in the park who was a bit inebriated. Oh, okay. Who ended up uh, thinking it would be kind of cool to jump on Rocky, Rocky's tail, which oh, is attached no. to my back. Oh, no. And I basically ended up in the Universal Hospital down at the lower lot. Oh, um, no. And I, I ended up okay, but I really tweaked back. But wow. that's when I'm like, <clears throat> do I want to be in the park anymore doing this? Because yeah. it... You are kind of exposed, you know. It's not like being on a set where you're protected. And some people do Man. some silly things, you know. I feel like that's there's so many people that go to Disneyland or they go to Universal Studios and they see Mickey Mouse, Goofy, and they're like, "Oh my God, that would be the greatest job ever! I get to be Mickey Mouse!" And I get to no, it sounds horrible because you have all of these kids kicking you in the shin. You have a drunk guy who's had a few too many beers and he breaks your back. Uh, I, I mean, I, I feel so, and especially here in LA or, or in Florida, where it's a hundred degrees and humid too, and you're yes. in this huge costume that doesn't breathe, and you have no circulation whatsoever. Oh boy, that sounds rough. So it's a little crazy, but again, you know, at least I I, I was mostly doing something really fun. Moments yeah. like that aren't so fun, but, no, no, but in general, like doing the show with the people I was doing it with and working at Universal was a blast. Yeah. And I wouldn't have met my husband had, That's I, not, very true. had yeah. I not been there. So there was a reason I was supposed to be there. And again, playing an iconic popular culture character too. It's not... Exactly. You know, you're you're uh, you're not at Venice Beach uh, next to the Jimi Hendrix guy on on roller skates. Exactly. You know, you're you're one of the Rocky and Bullwinkle characters. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. kind of huge. Um, and it was fun. It was fun. I, I I really did have a good time doing the show for that for that long. Yeah. So okay, so you moved back down to LA after Ghostbusters, somewhere around there. Yes. Is, is visual effects, are you doing any more ILM work? Or are you working with, because a lot of those guys did move down here, too. Were you picking up a day here or there doing a few things, or no? I hadn't really worked. Um, I had the possibility, you know when they kind of did an updated version of Star Wars? And I think there's a new cantina. Yeah. 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 Um, they had called me to say, you know, we might be interested in, in uh, using you for a character in the cantina. Yeah. And it didn't work out because they the, those characters that they used, they were non-union, and at that point, uh, I was I was already I was SAG, which yeah. is why I came back to LA. So I had to turn it down, oh, and I was man. like, I cried when I got off the phone oh, on that one. So that that was when they did the special editions for Star Wars. Then, yes. like, uh, okay. Oh, that's such a drag, especially if it's just a, a union non-union thing where. That's all it was. 
and I just, you know, I just didn't want to, I, I played it safe, and as badly as I wanted to do it, I said, I can't, but. And are you still doing stage work, because there's so many great theaters down here, are you still doing theater work as well at the same time, or not really? I haven't done, the last show I did was a musical called I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. Okay, yeah. Um, if anyone, if you can have, if you can see a production of it, it's kind of like SNL about like there's it's skits about dating and marriage and and death and birth and like it's it's all about living in relationships set to music and it's it's great. And I actually was able to do that show with my husband oh, it's as great. well. Um, so I'm you know I my heart I still I want to do theater, but it's it's really time consuming when you do a show. Um, usually it's like a month or two of rehearsal, and then another two, three months of performance, and I've really been focusing on, um, I have I have a new agent, I've been going out a lot, I just auditioned for a pilot yesterday. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, I... And have I, you heard back, or are you well, still waiting? Well, uh, it was yesterday okay. at 11. So it's still that, okay. It's still right. in limbo. We're going to put good vibes I, And I wish there, I could right? tell you more, but I'd have yeah. to kill you, so okay. I don't want to do that. Well, and we still have sushi, so we don't want to do murder death yet. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so basically, I, I've really been focusing lately on TV film, and we're, we created um, a few years back. We created um, a web series called Far From the Tree, um, right. and now we're creating another web series. We're right. My husband's writing it right now. Oh, nice! Um, it's it's gonna be fun, and as soon as I can give more details out, yeah. I will. But we're hoping to shoot it in the next couple months. Um, oh, so that's you know, great to be able to collaborate together and be able to work together. Exactly. And, so, okay, wait, I missed a huge spot here in the story. Okay. You guys met each other at Universal Studios. What was Sean doing? Sean was working at the, he, he was a... Third Shift Warehouse. Third Shift Warehouse. I was working from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. and, uh, and basically uh, stocking up all the restaurants and stuff. Oh, Universal. man. And so we both did Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, okay. And um, I was a victim of Dracula. He was a victim of Pinhead. From Hellraiser. <laughs> from Hellraiser. And we, we talked in makeup. And uh, we'd also taken an acting class that Universal gives. Um, oh, that's cool. So we had kind of we had met, um, but then we, we kind of started talking and made plans during Halloween Horror Nights. So. Two victims. Two victims. A modern love story. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that romantic? Yeah. Blood everywhere. Yeah, it's so pretty. Um, oh, man. That's r- I mean, so if you're working at night... You're working during the day, and then when do you see each other? When well, I, I, is there like an hour overlap where you guys get to hang out and have dinner? And then... Actually, I was I, I was only at Universal probably six months, maybe eight months tops. Um, um, by the time we met at uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Um, I only had like a month or two left that I was staying there, and then I, I started working at Hallmark. So I, I started a day job after that. Oh, okay, good. The reason I took the third shift warehouse work was because I thought working at night, I'd be able to do auditions during the daytime, but I was sleeping during the daytime. I was going to say, so it, was, just... it didn't ever work out the way I wanted it to. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, we only, we, it didn't affect anything because I was only there for that for a short amount of time. Oh, okay, so, good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So now, so you've you've met the love of your life yes. uh, at Halloween Horror Nights, which True. not many people can say, which is awesome. Uh, and then, so this this happens with the the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. You're in the Universal Hospital. Now what? What do you do now? Where do you go? Are you like, all right, I'm done with the costume characters? 
This is physically not desirable. I actually went into, I got a day job after that. Okay. Um, still, still pursuing the acting, but needed a job. And I, I, I went into like an office situation for, yeah. for some time. Um, no, it's not right. What? You worked at Club Disney. I did go to Club Disney for like I did go to sorry yes and after Club Disney I ended up going to a place called People Support which is like customer service Mm. and then uh, a company at 1-800-DENTIST okay for like 14 years I was at 1-800-DENTIST but they they were uh, lenient and flexible so I could go it didn't really affect my acting so that's um, good so I was able to do both so you can go do auditions you can go do shoots you can Exactly. Club Disney was kind of a fleeting... It was there for a little bit... I think a little bit less than a year. It didn't really last long. It it, it was like a Chuck E. Cheese, but a higher scale Chuck E. Cheese. And I worked in their theater. This was kind of cool. Yeah. And they had a theater where kids can go in and they learn performing arts. Oh, that's cool. And I was a teacher in So you're teaching kids performance and... Exactly. And so, but it closed. I mean, yeah. like, they, it wasn't making the splash that they thought it would. Which is so, I mean, there was, yeah, I remember the Club Disney's, for, for people who are not familiar, they, like you said, it was like Chuck E. Cheese, but it was, they had different themed rooms. So, like, when Tarzan came out, they had a Tarzan room where, like, it was almost like the Disneyland experience, but in, like, Parker, Colorado, you know? So you had this guy dressed like Tarzan who comes out and interacts with you for your birthday, and then you go into a room that has the... The, the jungle gym gymnasium thing that you can bounce around for a few hours and then you go into another room where yeah there's like a stage show and there's so and I don't know why it didn't take off you would think that like having a Disneyland in your own backyard would be lucrative but it didn't it just didn't it just didn't happen they even had like little Mickey pizzas which I thought were oh yeah they were yeah, adorable was, I mean again it's all Disney themed so and it was um, fun and, and, and it was fun but yeah after that you're right after Club Disney um, I just ended up getting getting a day job for a while so during that day job as I talk with my mouth full sorry everybody so am I it's okay Um, so during that day job are you now starting to do the convention circuit are you starting to sort of dip your toes into that water of hey I can I can go have I can meet people and do autographs and talk to fans I only did my first convention like five and a half six years ago oh really that was my very first convention Um, and it was Horror Hound in Cincinnati Ohio um, it, 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 oh my gosh, it was so much fun because there was four of us. There was um, there was myself, there was Ernie, there was Slavitza, and uh, who's William Atherton. William Atherton. Wow. Up. And so, and I got to meet most all of them actually for the first time. So that was the first time I kind of got to hang out with Ernie, get to know him. We become really good friends since then. Um, and Slavitza, I still keep in touch with her. She's a character and a half. And William Atherton just is. They're all great. They're all great. But that was my, my first introduction to to conventions, so it's pretty incredible. So that, and that's a good that's a good way to because you're there with Ernie, who's done quite a few conventions. Exactly. So they can kind of be like, all right, here's what's going to happen. You're going to sit here, and there's going to be like a lineup of people, <laughs> and they're all going to want you to sign their arm. They're going to want to take a picture. They're gonna, <laughs> like, are they prepping you on what to expect from a convention? Not really. No. I, I never really got prepped at all. No, really, there's safety in numbers, so I felt kind of That's true. cool that they're right next to me if I had yeah. a question. But it was kind of trial by fire. I just like went in and, you know, just, just dove in. Yeah. But the fans were great. 
I mean, in all honesty, I, I had a blast. And I told myself, okay, I'm going to try this one. And if I have a good time, I'll do more. And if I don't, then I'll just say I, I'm, I don't want to do conventions. But I had a great time. I've done quite a few since then. Okay, so yeah, so you've, you've done, like we were talking before we started recording, yeah. you were doing the world tour leading up to the holidays. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, what is it that you love the most about those, those conventions and meeting those fans? Connecting with the fans, to be honest. It's like people that I've talked with for a few years online, I actually get to meet. Yeah. Um, and they're always, you know, so supportive and gracious. You know, it's always fun. And usually at a convention, like, there'll be an evening that everybody, all the Ghostbusters and myself, will go out to dinner and hang out and have a drink or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's just fun. You just kind of bond with some people that that appreciate your work. And, sure. You know, and I appreciate them. They're really great. And that's, I mean, that, I think to me that's the sort of mind-blowing thing about it is... At one point, it was just a job for you. At one point, you're like, I'm going to work six weeks on this, and I'm going to be Slimer. It's going to be awesome. But then I'll move on, and I'll go do other exactly. stuff. And here now, it's, let's see, we're almost at 30 years uh, in two years. So math, 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 28 years <laughs> later. Uh, you know, that you you can still talk about it. People still want to hear about it. Um you know, I, I'm thinking like the people at one eight hundred dentist are not getting asked to go to conventions and <laughs> answer podcasts about customer service. And so, what uh, your your non fanboy friends around you or your coworkers when you're at these office jobs? Right. How are they reacting to this? It's like, oh, that's Robin. She's Slimer. You know, so, like, or are they impressed by it? What is their reaction to? It? I mean. Usually they trip out at first. They, they're, they, yeah. no, no, and I'll show them get the picture. Get, come on, get out. But then after a while, it's like, oh yeah, it's Robin. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's not a big deal. It's like my friends who are either actors or not actors. They're so used to it at this point. It's like, and I, I think that's cool that it's it's really. I'm, there are people I just met a really nice uh, guy. I'm going to give him a shout out, Jace Junkerson, and he's like, I'm shaking. I'm meeting you, and I'm actually I can't. I, this is like surreal. I'm shaking. Yeah. And, in my mind, I'm seriously like I'm the biggest dork on the face of the planet. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, come on, serious. It's <laughs> my wife. I, I don't get it. It's what? just me. That's I, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. It's just me. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I got lucky enough to do a job that people know and, and appreciate. Yeah. But it's just me. I'm I, I'm I'm as big of a dork as anyone out there. Truly. It is. I mean, it has to be surreal that. I mean, because this is all lead up to talking about the new movie, and you're walking yeah. down the red carpet there, and you oh see all these fans, and they all know you, they all recognize you. Uh, like, how does that, does that even compute? How does that, like, I, how do you that blew my mind. process that? The, the premiere um, was, was crazy. It was a culmination of 28 years of being involved with a franchise, getting asked to be a part of it again. Right. And then having these people, like, I was so nervous. I literally woke up that morning of the premiere with my, my stomach in knots. Oh, I, no. oh, I, I was no. so I was I was so nervous. But the minute I got there, and I and my husband and I and and the person I was walking with down the red carpet stepped on the red carpet and the fans started shouting my name. I calmed down because I knew I was among people yeah. that I, that I cared about and cared about me, and they were just being supportive. And my nerves kind of went away. And then by the time I... I think you were the first person I spoke with oh, on, oh, on the red oh carpet. God. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And and by the time I passed everybody in the stands and got to you, I was pretty much okay. Yeah. But it's because of them. It's because of, of them lending their their hearts, like, being so so supportive. I was able to 
relax yeah, that's and kind have of, fun. I mean, it's got to be nerve-wracking, but then at the same time when you realize that you're... It's a friendly crowd. You're in front of the home crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was on the home turf. I was yeah. on the home turf, exactly. Like, oh, boo, Robin, boo. No, oh, they were so great. They were, they, were, they were amazing. And, and, of course, just being excited to see the film with everybody. It's like, it was yeah. such a surreal day from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. I got to meet Kate McKinnon, who, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people, again, they said, oh, what is it like to work with, with, the, with the women of Ghostbusters? Right. I was in a recording studio alone. <laughs> a little different process. A little different. Yeah. You know, it wasn't in front of a blue screen, but alone recording in a recording studio. So I never had yeah. to meet them. But um, Kate McKinnon is one of my idols. And to be able to meet her on that day and, and yeah. give her a hug and say, I really love your work. It was just, it meant so much. It was great. So uh, again, a very different process from Ghostbusters 2. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how, how did the gig as Lady Slimer come up? Did you get a call from the producers or somebody? Or did your agent say, hey, are you interested in reprising something that you've already done? <laughs> You'd think that's how it would happen, yeah. right? Like my agent call. No. Um, it was like just prior to Christmas a year ago. Okay. And I get a Twitter message from Mr. Paul Fee. Oh, so he directly tweets he, at you. Okay. He bypassed everything and said... Hey, hi Robin, I'm Paul, and I'm thinking, of course you're Paul Feig. I, I know who you um, are. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and he goes, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's a small part. I apologize, it's small, but I would really love it if you'd consider doing the voice of Lady Slimer. Yeah. And um, and of course, I'm screaming in my apartment. My neighbors are probably thinking, who's <laughs> killing her? Um, I, I was but out loud you're saying, well, let me check my schedule. Hold on, because that's how you have to do this. And I didn't type him back right away, because I'm like, I was screaming. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh my God. My, and Sean's like, what's going on? Yeah. What's wrong? And, and I showed him the message. He goes, well, stop talking to me and tell him yes. Tell him you'll do it. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and, of course, I said yes. And it's because of him. It's because yeah. Paul Feig reached out. Um, I, I think that's the whole reason I was there. He's... An amazing person. He's so sweet. Yeah. Again, speaking of somebody who cares, I mean, because that's what that's what's become very evident over the last. I mean, very much so over the last year, but even more so over the like last five, ten years. There are a lot of people that care about this property, that want to see it succeed, that want right. to see it, like want to continue to do justice to it, that want to involve people like you who have ties to the originals and. And they very much care to, to see things thrive and succeed. So that's why it's so frustrating when you hear, like, you want to wreck this, I can't believe you're doing this. No, it's the opposite. It's and, totally the opposite. And I remember, I was not allowed to say anything. To, you were the first person on the green carpet that I was able to say, this is what I did yeah. in the film. The cat was out of the bag with you. And then I was able to talk about it. And I, I remember Chris and I were standing on the red carpet talking to her no! like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and I, I had asked yeah. Paul, when, when is it safe to say, when am I allowed to let people know? And he goes, the premiere should be fine. Yeah. Because then people will know the characters in the movie. and Right. Yeah. And, and and I got the green light. Like, it's okay. If you mention it on the red carpet, you're cool. Yeah. And you you were the number there one was. person that I that I told. <laughs> but, that, yeah, it it's such a such a special day. And I they sent me a piece of the green carpet. Oh, did they really? Yeah, like was it the Houston? Was it Houston? Houston. Houston. Yeah. And they were sending. They they had a, they they kept a big swatch of it and was sending just in sending, bits and pieces. Sending little squares out, but I think I'm going to make a little shadow box out of it. 
Um, it means a lot to me. Yeah, that's it, so cool. It's, it's like a piece of you know history. It's a piece of, of what I do. So um, I'm really grateful that I that I got that. And it's I mean, it once uh, again once in a lifetime experience because you're you're operating in a void on Ghostbusters too. I mean, sort of. They did a screening at ILM, right? Was that that's, that's what where I saw. you saw the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, you're not at a big premiere with a bunch of fans up in bleachers and right. It was totally, totally different. Yeah, it was yeah. like the the big premiere experience on the new one, and the other one was kind of much lower key. Yeah, kind of like a cast cast and crew, exactly. friends and family screening. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A lot different. So okay, so you get called in to do the, the voice of Lady Slimer. Yeah. You go into an ADR booth on the Sony lot. Yep. And 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 how. So was Paul there directing you, or was it a, a VO director? Um, it was a VO director. It was a VO director. Okay. Um, but the cool thing was, he was um, Paul was was editing. Oh, okay. Um, and he came in, greeted me at the and, and talked to the, the VO director. And, yeah. And I, he goes, "You're in good hands." But you know, then they took me when I was done over to where he was editing, uh... and I had an audition for the Gilmore Girls. Right after, like I literally had minutes to get myself out of there. Yeah. And get it. So like the one day I actually and, and, Paul, <laughs> no. and Paul's like, hey, do you want to hang out with me and watch me edit? Uh, yes, but and I oh, wanted no. to cry. Oh, and, no. and Paul was extending and, and, and he kept on it, the sweetest thing. The the crew around him. He goes, guys, guys, hold on. This is Ghostbusters royalty. This is and coming from him to say something like that meant the world. It was just so sweet. That's but, very cool. So I wasn't able to. I was so, so bummed, and I'm, I'm usually never bummed when I have an audition. But on that day, I was like, I want to stay so bad. Oh no! But it's all good. It's that's, all good. Again, it's a good reason to have to leave. It you, is. You know, but it is. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a bummer. It's it's okay. It's all good. Uh, all right. So vo- voice work. You you got to do you got to show a little range in terms of, <laughs> of what you had to do. Uh, were you acting with uh, animatic? What what did, what did they show you, or were they just telling you to wildline stuff? Were you? No, they they had it like um, it wasn't completed, okay. but it was like it was basically sketched out. It was more okay. it looked more like a cartoon, but right, I saw yeah. the action they were doing. It just wasn't fleshed out yet. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got to see. I, I I was acting too when I saw it on the screen. Uh, and how, how do you feel a little silly when you're doing like the grunts and the growls and the screams? Oh, not at all. <laughs> okay, not at all. <laughs> and um, and they were really great. Um, they they basically let me play. Like if I That's had good. another idea, at one point um, they she goes, well, I, I think we got everything. I said, is it okay? Can I can I try just something before we go? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go. And um and I and I I made them laugh. You know, so I mean, they were very open to. They were very open to um, letting me play and and putting in a thought if I wanted to add something, just have fun. What, whether, whether do you remember what it was? What, what did you do that was different? Um, I remember there, there's a, in the car how she kind of snuggles up to him. For those of you who've seen it, and yeah. she's kind of like, oh. And I ended up, I, I instead of doing that, I went, I, kind of, I did a growl. <laughs> and, and they hadn't asked me to growl, but I kind of did a little a little sly growl and I made her laugh it didn't end up it didn't end up in the final cut and that's fun. a little more aggressive Lady that's, Slimer <laughs> a little more aggressive Lady yeah. Slimer <laughs> but that that was the one before I left I wanted to try that just to see if, if they would find it fun yeah. but um, I had so much fun and I've, I've actually had some casting people say oh can, can you do the voice and I'm like 
if I if I full out do the voice, you're gonna have like the police at your door <laughs> because she's hooping and hollering and screaming yeah. and laughing. It's maniacal. It's like having it's, a party in the car crazy. while they're joyriding. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna disturb everybody around you if I do that. So it's probably not a good idea. Oh man! And it was, uh, so Adam had already recorded the Slimer stuff before. Are you acting against that then too? So do you have to kind of push it to that level or are you kind of doing your own thing and then not worrying about that? When I recorded, I didn't hear what he had done. They didn't yeah. put his sound in. Um, the, I just remember hearing the mu- the music that was put into the film and I remember hearing like the ghost banter, like the, their screaming, yeah. but I don't, I, I don't know if they hadn't hadn't recorded Adam yet or they didn't put his voice in. So yet. you're not hearing it in the I didn't hear there. his voice, okay. no. Um, but... Because he really goes for it, too. That's the other thing. Absolutely. Like, if, if somebody asked him to do the voice, he'd be like, no, nah, I can't do that in public. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it, you know, like I said, if, if I were to do it right now, they, this whole place would look I, yeah, over and like... We'd hear the record scratch. Cool. Well, so I want to make sure that you have time to eat the rest of the sushi here. So uh, we'll sign stuff off. But again, you mentioned, okay, so you auditioned for the pilot. You're working on the web series, which where should people go to find out more about that when when news is available? You can always check out robinshelby.net. Um, I, I have a news link that you can you can click on any updates I'll put there. Excellent. And, and that goes for conventions too. Like any when I get a convention, I'll put it I'll put it there. So, so your schedule, so people know when they can come and visit you and, and geek out and talk as much as I've had fun talking to oh, you. They can have the exact same conversation. Exactly, exactly. So I promise I'll keep that updated for everybody. Shelby. Okay. All right. And Sean has been here very patiently sitting, but we'll say goodbye to Sean too. Take care. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Robin. This is a lot Thank of fun. Thank you. Thank you. You got to